Jesus. Good morning, church. Oh, blessed be your name. Greater than it all. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. If you're a visitor with us this morning, it is really lovely to see you. There's not a better place you can be this morning, but in the presence of God. It may be strange to you as you come in and the drums are beating. Rebecca's playing the keyboards and Ashley on the guitar and the singing. We're just doing what scripture says. We're making a joyful noise unto the Lord. Because we have something to sing about. We've got, some, some, we've got something to praise God for. And that's our, the great plan of salvation that he put in place. And see, without that great plan of salvation... I wouldn't even be here. We'd be just turning up for do nothing. Just a, a holy huddle or a holy club. But the scripture says, when the twos and threes are gathered in my name, there will I be. So do you know what? The presence of God is in this place. And you're very welcome. And church, you're very welcome too. It's good to see you all. Because there's some people in it from our church who haven't been in for a while because they, they haven't been well. And it's good to see you. Amen, sister. Because we've been praying for you. For days like the day that you are back in our congregation, worshiping with us and praising God with us and coming around the table with us and listening to God's word with us. Because this is family. And I just love it. I'm a wee bit biased, but I love this church. And we love you. Listen, if you love and serve the Lord this morning, we're going to take the, the emblems that's in this week cup. And if you're not familiar with it, we say this all the time, but just to recap, there's two lures to this week cup when you peel back the first lure. I have one done already because I have no nails. <laughs> it's like Blue Peter, something you've done before. So one's sitting there ready to go. But if you're like me, you can start peeling it now. I want to share with you before we do that, but the first lure, the appeal back reveals the wafer, and then the second lure reveals the juice. And if you love and serve the Lord, please feel free, even if you're a visitor and not to take of these emblems, and if not, just let the wee emblems sit. But I just want to lead us to the table. And normally, and every Sunday, by right, we remember, tells, it tells us in the scripture to remember what Jesus Christ did for us at the cross, and that's what we're going to do. But this morning, I, I also want to remember the Father because it's Father's Day. Because it's a privilege not only to call our, our Christ, our Savior, our Lord, our, our, our King, our Redeemer, our peace. And there's so many other uh, words we can describe Jesus. But to call God our Father. We had a, a brilliant life group last night. Tim Bailey led it. And it just happened that we're starting to study the Lord's Prayer. 
our Father which art in heaven. And that's, how, that's all we got. <laughs> right, that's all we got, our Father. And it just happened that I was speaking at the table this morning on our Father. John 1, 12 says this, But as many as received him, to them give he the power to become the sons of God, even to those who believe on his name. That means because there was a day in my life and your life when the Spirit of God revealed to us the Savior of the cross, he opened up our blinded eyes, made us see the error of our ways. We repented and asked Christ into our heart as our Lord and Savior. God, at that moment, became my Father. And that's a privilege as we come around the table to remember God the Son because it's Father's Day, I want to remember God the Father. That I and you have the privilege this morning to come into this place and proclaim our Father. We study last night, and I, funny, I had it wrote down, and I was sharing it at the group, and Tim shared with us too. You know, in the Old Testament, it was blasphemous to call God Father. That's when Jesus in the New Testament proclaimed that God was his father. They wanted to stone him. But then the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, and this is how he starts, our father. When you read this New Testament, Jesus Christ prayed over 60 prayers, and all of them bar the one on the cross started with father. So we have a privilege this day those who love and serve the Lord, to call our God Father. I got up this morning and I opened a few prezzies and cards from my children and grandchild. You couldn't have wiped the smile of my face. And there was tears in my eyes because I am so f proud to be a father. I don't know how you, you walked into this place this morning. If you're a child of God, my God is proud of you. And he calls you his son and his daughter. And I just think that's lovely. That his sons and his daughters, in return, can call him father. Because he sent his son. We know that first inside out, don't we? And back to front. For God so loved the world that he sent his son. That whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And it's because of what his son done on the cross. We have this opportunity to remember that. So we're going to, we're going to uh, just read a few words of scripture. We're going to pray, and then we're going to take of the wafer together. Again, I'm going to read scripture. We're going to pray, and we're going to take the cup together. But let's just all close our eyes. And let's just, in our quietness of our own hearts, just give thanks unto the Father for Sending his son. Why? Because he loved the world so much. You know, the Bible says, and that's when I say, it's a privilege to call my God Father. You know, without Christ, the Bible describes us that Satan is our father. Because we're led by him when we're without Christ. But this morning, because of his grace and mercy, I can call God my father, not Satan. Because of what Christ 
has done on the cross. I don't stand here on my own merit or what Stevie Francie has done. I stand here in the grace of God, in the mercy of God. And I'm a recipient of what Christ has done on the cross. So we're just going to read some scripture. Blessed be your name, Lord. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23 says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Father God, what a privilege to be found in your house this morning. Lord, as we celebrate Father's Day, we thank you for all the fathers in here this day. Lord, you know the emotions that everybody has in this particular day, but Lord, we want to tune our emotions and our heart and our mind onto you this morning. We thank you that you loved the world so much that you sent your son. That through your son, we can have forgiveness of sins. And Lord, we come to remember, to reflect, to look back to Calvary and to say, thank you, Lord. My redeemer, the one who paid the price. The price that I could not pay. Lord, we're recipients of your grace and your mercy this morning. So accept our thanks as we take of the bread. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, after the same manner also, he took the cup. And we had stopped saying this cup is the New Testament, New Covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he comes. Father God, we again thank you that we stand here in your presence this morning. Worshiping in you and praising you for the finished work of Calvary. We thank you, Lord, that when you ascended up into heaven, the Holy Spirit descended. And he walks with us and he talks with us and he lives within us. And he's molding us and making us become more like Jesus. And we thank you, not only do you walk and talk with us and you watch over us and you go before us and behind us and underneath us and round about us of the everlasting arms, but Lord, we have a hope that one day where you are, there we will be also. Until that day comes, Lord, Lord, we just will continue like we have done. Week after week, coming to the table, and looking back at the cross, the Savior of the cross, who laid down his life for each and every one of us to give us new life, abundant life. So, Lord, is it any wonder we come with our praise and with our worship this morning, our hearts full of gratitude, 
to say thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name. Just going to close this part of our service. And then Pastor Matt is going to come and give us a few announcements. Father God, again, as we carry on in your presence, I just pray, Father God, that you would anoint the speakers. Oh, Father God, I pray for Thomas and Colin. I pray, Father God, that you would take all their nerves away, Lord. That, Father God, both of them would operate in the supernatural, Lord. And what I mean by that, Lord, that they would operate in your strength and not their own. That, Father God, that you would speak for them and speak through them, Lord. Father God, thank you for their studies, Lord, their hours of work to prepare for this. And, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would bless them. You would help them. And, Lord, that you, us as a congregation, Lord, you would give us ears to hear and a heart to respond to your we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Stephen, for leading us at the table and the team leading us in worship. Welcome to our special Father's Day service. We hope all the fathers got sport this morning with breakfast in bed. No. Getting taken out for lunch. No. Come on, ladies, sort it out, will you? Eh? Thank you for being here today. We will look after the men at the end. We've got you all a box of chocolates, and we're going to do it slightly differently than the ladies. We're giving you a box per how many children you've got. So if you've got... The more kids you've got, the more chocolates you go home with, okay? <laughs> yes. A couple of announcements before we move on with the programme. The first one is, this, uh, is uh, a couple of weeks ago, we presented to you the name of Michael Totten as uh, uh, so a proposal to become a new elder in the church and uh, that has now gone through. We didn't receive any letters at all, uh, which we are delighted about. We knew we wouldn't and we are delighted. I'm looking for him. <laughs> and we are delighted that, that Michael is becoming a new elder in the church and stuff. Uh, so we're delighted about that. Uh, tonight, there's another special Father's Day service. We're going to have supper afterwards and stuff. So even if you don't want to come along and hear the preaching, uh, come and get your supper. For the, so it's, I know the way some of you think, okay? On Tuesday night is the Man Up event. Uh, Jim Weir is going to be sharing uh, his story of uh, trekking up Everest and why he did it and all of that story. There. It's going to be a great night on Tuesday night as Jim shares his story. There were still some tickets left there uh, for the Man Up event. The appreciation night is a week on Tuesday night. Uh, listen, don't forget to drop your responses in to let us know you're coming. If you do not give us a reply, we will assume you're not coming. We're not chasing you up. Uh, so please uh, drop your reply into there. And the final thing is this is the refresh trip, which is our uh, the Senior Citizens Lunch Club that meets on a Monday once a month. We are going to Port Rush on Monday the 27th, which is next Monday. Um, there are some spaces on the coach which we want to open up to anybody that would like a wee day trip out uh, to Port Rush. 
We have lunch at the Royal Court Hotel. It's £15 a head if you would like to come. Uh, if you have nothing to do that Monday and stuff, please come along. I'm going because somebody has to supervise the elderly. Uh, to feel I should do that, like, and so I'm going to go and stuff. And so there's plenty of spaces. So, you know, don't, don't feel, you know, I'm not that age and stuff. Listen, it doesn't matter. It says there's spaces on the coach if you'd like to come. Please see Paula today. Today, please see Paula today so we can get you uh, booked in and stuff. Uh, what we're going to do now, we're going to move on with our program because we're delighted uh, today uh, that we've got Thomas Pickens sharing his testimony. Then Colin Banks is going to be coming uh, to speak afterwards. So I'm going to invite Reese and, and Thomas up, and we're just going to. people can actually see up here that's the problem Thomas so <laughs> Talk about uh, we're, delighted, uh, we're delighted to be here there are some nerves on the platform but they're actually just for me because if I do a bad job I have to work with Paula tomorrow so I need to be well we'll make sure we'll make sure she gets a mention won't we Thomas can I not just turn around and face the wall <laughs> <laughs> Thomas is a great story. We chatted um, this week, and so I'm, I'm so excited for you to hear it, Church. Um, and so, for the sake of time, we'll just get straight into it, Thomas, if that's okay. And so, I'll ask you the first question, which is, um, can you just tell us a bit about your background and your upbringing? What sort of home did you come from? Well, people know I came from Highfield Estate. <laughs> Um, a wee place called High Greens, just atop in the middle of Highfield. You know, I, I came from a good, loving home. You know, my dad worked and my mum worked bits and pieces because she was rearing us kids. Um, my dad worked in shorts. He's the only man who worked in shorts and never owned his own house because he spent most of his time in the Highfield Rangers. Mm. But here he was a hard worker and he loved us kids. And I thank him for that. I thank him for what he installed into me as a young boy about taking pride in yourself and looking after yourself and standing up for yourself. My mom, she done everything for us. Um, she was great, you know, I love her with all my heart. Um, she really looked after us kids. Um, she sent us out to Sunday school every Sunday. I sat at the back. Majority of people could say the same thing. I just went for the sweets and a wee bus rides because not many families had a car back then, you know, and no, I did, we were sent along to them, we were sent to a good news club on a, on a Monday night. Um, I think, now that I look back on my life, I thank my mum and dad for sending me there in places, because then people actually cared for us. You know, there's people in places and communities who you think they care for you, that they don't, they're there to lay in their own pockets and, and for themselves, you know, but these places our parents sent us to, they, them people actually loved us. And now I know that now as a, obviously an older person, like, you know, but, <laughs> um, no, we did, we're, there was, my brother's here, Jonathan, my older brother, he came back from holiday last night, and my sister's working. There was four of us, um, 
Did I say we got on like a house on fire? No, we didn't. We fought the bed out. <laughs> but we loved each other. We were a close family. And um, me aunt sitting here in the, uh, in the congregation also, you know, and we were, we were a close family, you know. The pickings were like a clan in Highfield. I think there was more pickings than anybody else up in Highfield, you know. <laughs> but that's what it looked like as a young boy growing up, you know. We did have a loving family, like a family circle. Like my best friend was my cousin Raymond, you know, and people can relate to going, I we all have cousins. No, we done absolutely everything together. Me aunt here, she could tell you afterwards if you want to speak to her. You know, we wore the same clothes, probably I was wearing his clothes and you know, obviously he didn't wear my clothes as he was always tall, I'd be like <laughs> <laughs> No, no, we did. We had a good upbringing. We really did. We were a close, close family, you know. And yeah. what was um, what was it like growing up in Highfield? What was the community like? Your neighbours, things like that. Oh, Highfield was mad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was. It was. It was. You know, it's like every estate. Every estate has their problems, you know. But but I thank God that we had a family who who tried to direct us in the right path, because I was always a kid who who hated people like or a person tell me what to do i couldn't and i used to go who do you think you are but i think that was most kids growing up in the states because you always wanted to be top of ladder to you know be the macho one but highfield was mad it was it was crazy you know things going on like we grew up through the troubles and there's things we've seen that we still talk about today and laugh at. Don't want to mention anything, you know, because it's not the right place to. But no, it was mad. It was. I had a friend of mine calling to my house one Sunday. My mum said, away on up the stairs, he's in his bed. And he come up this rucksack. And I thought, here, there's no way I'm going to play football at this time in the morning. And he opened it up. He says, Picky, you're going to have to help me hate these. And he went, what is it? You know, and he opened it up and it was a thing of guns. And he went, wow. What are you doing with them in my house? He says, Picky, I was just handed these and told him to hide them. So obviously I went along, thought I was a big shot, and went and tried and, and that's right. And we did, we hid them, and I went, like looking back at that now, I'm going, like, I was going to get caught up in the whole wrong things. But I thank God he had a plan, a purpose for my life. Mm. Now that I can see, yeah. looking back all the end days, you know, it was, mm -hmm. it was mad. Yeah. Well, we'll fast forward a wee bit, um, Thomas, and talk about. Um, later on in life, because obviously you you sit here um, with with a testimony, which means that um, you know you gave your life to Christ at some point. Do you want to talk about what led up to that? You know yeah. your life your life before that, and then um, what led up to that decision? Like um, like everybody else's life, you know, you try and live a, a normal life as such. But the way you look at it now, what is a normal life? You know. I met Paula when I was 18 and she was 17, and that completely changed my life for the better. Like, I remember my dad saying to me, you've got yourself a good in here, kid. You stick with her. And I went, dead on, dad. <laughs> <laughs> because the same, I always thought. But no, it did in a... Fast forward, in 2006, we got married. We went to Cyprus and got married in Cyprus. Um, my dad was my best man when we got married. You know, and, and fr people say your life changes for the better when you get married. Yes, it did because I married my best friend. Mm. But fast forward two years down the lane, our lives took a downhill 
like out of control. I didn't know where to go, who to look to, who to talk to, and who he asked for the best advice. In 2008, Paula's dad took sick um, in the hospital. Long story short, loads of complications. Paula's dad is now sitting in a wheelchair, can't do anything for himself. In that time in 2008, only two years after getting married, um, we got the news that my mom had fell and broke her back. Me trying to be me and being the man of the house, thinking, listen, I've got this under control. I can sort this out. But deep down, I was completely crumbling. I was in bits. Praying to God, going, look, Lord, why is this happening to me? I'm just married. Everybody else is enjoying their marriage life, their new homes. But my life was completely crumbling. And my mom broke her back. Um, and she spent majority of time lying flat on her back for a lot of months. We got her home, and it was hard. And then again, my dad got diagnosed with lung cancer. And for a guy I looked up to so, so much, like I seen his whole life being taken away from him that day at the city hospital. And they said, like, Mr. Picking, um, it's lung cancer. We're not sure what cell it is or small cell and whatever it is. I, for me, and I didn't remember much about it. Um, but I remember Paula starting going to church, and she gets saved. And her husband, I'm blaming everybody what's going wrong. Or, or she's starting to go to church. He's left me, and I see her not. But I've seen a difference in her. I've seen a strength that. I couldn't give her or even couldn't even talk to her about her, imagine where she was getting it from because I knew nothing about it, but I've seen a difference in her. And she asked me to go to church with her. So we went through church together and uh, I enjoyed it. I've seen these people all happy. And I'm going like, is this all real? Is these people just like, because they're in church on a Sunday, Sunday night, they're all getting on as if they're, they're okay, but yet, to realize what I'm going through, because I was very hurt and angry. And get back again, when my dad was diagnosed with cancer, he lasted six weeks. It's probably the worst six weeks of my life. You know, but we get talking, and I get saved. Thank God. I was going to church with Paul, and I seen this, what was going on in her life, and I'm going like, she's got something that I don't have, but I don't know how to get this. By myself, I was asking friends, what do you do, what do you do? And I remember the pastor talking, Terry Fittis. He was preaching, and he was saying, like, I know there's people in here who's going through a terrible time in their lives, but the answer's not in the world, it's in God. So I'm sitting around going, she's told him everything about me. <laughs> because what he was speaking was completely piercing my heart. You know, it spoke to me that nobody's ever spoke to me before. And I remember he saying to me, son, that's the living word. That's nothing to do with me. God's given me this message and I have to preach it. And I'm going, oh, she's told you everything about me. But she didn't. And I said to her after that night in church, she says, what are you saying to these people in here? They almost think I'm some kind of agent and I'm weak. She says, no, they're telling you how life is. So my dad lasted six weeks. Anyway, we get, I get saved. Thank God for it because I don't know where I'd be today without it. I really don't. You know, there's a, there's a, fir, not a fir, sorry, there's a, there's a song in my father's house, there's a place for me. 
for me and every one of you who's out there too, you know. And that, that means so much to me. So we get saved, we get talking, right? I'm sorry, sorry, I'm, I'm bouncing away no, here. Fine. Sorry, because I'm so nervous. Um, right. I can remember these people in the church started asking me to go to snooker with them, and I went to her, here we go. They're trying to get me to join the God Squad. <laughs> <laughs> like, why else would they be asking me to come to snooker? But now I know why, because they love me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They wanted to get sure something to me that, that means so much to everybody, you know. Like, Stephen Francis spoke about that, for God so loved the world. I remember the guy, Terry Fittis, saying to me, like, take for so loved the world and put your name in it. For God so loved Thomas Picking, he sent the son for you. That blew me away. So as weeks come by, going to snooker and stuff, he turned around and said to me, here, do you ever think about getting saved? And I went, to be honest, no. I like going to church. He said, so what's the problem? I thought, like, what all my mates going to say to me? And this is probably everybody has this thing to say. No, but your friends do say things. And majority of them are good, but majority of it isn't good. So I say to them, right, I'm ready. Like me, ready, you know. God has a plan for me, not me has a plan for God, you know. Mm. So that made I give my, my life over to the Lord. And, you know, I'm sitting here today. Not because of me, because what Jesus has done in my life. Yeah. And my family's life, my greater family too, you know. My aunt sitting there, she used to take me to the tent mission over in East Belfast. Little did you know that I'd be coming here today to give my testimony. She's sitting there listening to it, you know. That blows me away. So I'm, I'm going back to, yes, I get saved. So I get into the house. Paula's sitting on his tea on a Friday night. She usually does waiting on me coming in. And I say, her, she knew there was something wrong with me. And I, I was a person who's never cried because I always try to be a macho person, but I'm not really. And me and her cry for about 40 minutes that I get saved. And everybody has this one person in your family that if you tell them, they tell everybody. Right? So my sister, I love my sister with all my heart. I phone Joan. I says, Joan, look, I've just got saved. So it would ease the blow for me the next day to meet every, no, to face everybody <laughs> that she's already told them. So I told Joan and Rightly so, Juan's on the phone. Saturday morning, I'm up to the mum's house, says, Mum, I gave my life over to the Lord last night. And she says, amazing. I says, where's Dad? He says, where do you think? Highfield Rangers. So I go down. As I'm, if anybody's not aware of Highfield Rangers, you go in, you hit a buzzer, there's camera sees you, and they let you in. So as I was going to the door, I didn't know my dad was the other end of the door coming out for a cigarette. And there was probably about six or seven more come out and had a smoke outside getting a bit of fresh air and stuff and whatever. And I said to my dad, Dad, I gave my life to the Lord last night. And he turned around and he said to me, Son, that's the best news I've ever heard. The best news I've ever heard. So me and him got talking and stuff and we're, and about God and stuff. And he always, he was a deep person. Sam Clark actually worked with my dad. Sam Clark comes to this church. He worked with my dad. Little did I know this until I started coming to church that Sam Clark worked with my dad at night shift and he used to preach to him. And he always said to me, your dad knows the Bible, so you don't need to try and tell him. You know what I mean? Um, so, coming home from hospital one day, he said to my dad that there was no more they could do for him. They just sent him home basically to, you know, to pass away. And he was cursing him in the van and this here and that. He said, you know, son, it's very hard not to curse, isn't it? And I went, 
what do you mean? He says, like, I'm trying my best, but it's hard. So I knew he's made a confession. And that, that put me at ease. Um, where else did I go? Um, well, we've probably covered a lot of what so we need no, to cover. Sorry, see that, no, you're fine. No, see that conversation with your dad, because that wasn't that wasn't the only thing that he said. There was something else that he said as well. Oh yeah, um, he in did. That conversation it, 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 it always it always sticks in my mind. I always go back to it, you know. And he said to me, his words was, "God works in mysterious ways," mm. and I'm going like, "I've never talked to him about this." But then Sam Clark told me a couple of years down the line, you know, I've been speaking to your dad makeshift. Me and him, he knows. So in my heart, I have that comfort that look, he's saved. I ain't going to see him again. Because I'll say it again. You know, in his house, there's a place for me. Yeah. I'll get to, you know, it's, it's a confidence I have that way. And what would you say then to um, those who haven't made a decision? Thomas, what would you say to people about why, why, did, why did you become a Christian? Why should people give their lives to God? That's a really good question, Reese. Why not? Mm. Why not? You know, I thought I was doing all right by myself. No chance. Mm. Only, by, only for God's grace I'm sitting here today. You know, when I look back at my life, what I've been through, like there's part of the story I didn't want to tell because my son's here and he's the age now of understanding and I don't want to talk about that. But it's only by God it's kept, it's kept me through it all, not by me or not by works of anybody else. Mm -hmm. It's by God that I'm sitting here today. Mm -hmm. So why do you not give your life to him? You know, there's many a times that I could have got up, went out drinking and back on the drugs and partying and to try and bury my head in the sand. But no, I'm back and Paul went through scriptures together. You know, <laughs> you know, like Isaiah 40 and 31 says, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That's in God. That's not strength in your friends drinking, going out and partying, taking drugs and burying your head away. No, it's strength in God. So why would you not give your life over to him? Because mm -hmm. what he's done for my life, he can do for everybody else. Like, mm -hmm. easy. Yeah. You know, it's, it's nothing to do with me. Like, yeah. definitely, definitely not. Brilliant. Allow me to pray for you, Thomas. Is that all right? Yeah. Lord, I thank you for this man. I thank you for his story. I thank you, God, for the power that is in his testimony. Thank you that, as he said, you've kept him all these years, God. I thank you for his loving family that are here as well. God, I thank you for the hedge of protection that you have around him and around his household, God. I thank you for each moment that he has shared. And God, I thank you for the words that he has said, the impact that they will have had on people in this room. And God, I pray for those who don't know you. I pray, God, that this man's story will have given them courage will have given them the words that they need, God, would, would, would really have spoken to them. I, I pray, God, that through this man's testimony, through what God has done in his life, would we see significant things happen for the kingdom. God bless him and keep him. It's in your son's holy and precious name we give thanks. Amen. Church, can we show some love for Thomas? Church, if you'd all like to stand to your feet, um, let's worship our God with this song this morning.
Church, you may be seated. Church, if you would join me in welcoming Colin Begg, he's going to come and bring the word. Thank you, church.
Thank you, Pastor Reese and Pastor Matt, for keeping me to the end. It's brilliant. It does wonders for your nerves, eh? Thomas, that was amazing, mate. God bless you. Fantastic, mate. Follow that, Colin, eh? Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, and as Ashley said earlier, uh, especially to all you wonderful fathers out there, um, I hope you've all had a wonderful morning so far. Most of you fathers are probably loving the fact that this Father's Day is the one day of the year that your wallet doesn't get a hammering. <laughs> that the money is being spent on you instead of it being the other way around, like every other single day of the year. Well, unfortunately, it hasn't worked out like that in my house today. Uh, it's my wee daughter Macy's birthday. <laughs> Macy's 12. Happy birthday, Macy. So, I don't even get one day off. My wallet's still getting a hammering. Friends party yesterday, family, fam family party today. Cheryl thinks it grows in trees. <laughs> Uh, so dads, and I'm speaking on behalf of all the kids, because they're not here, they're all out in the crash. Um, we love and appreciate you. Your skills and talents are famous across the globe. You're the master of silly voices, the kings of camping, and of course not forgetting the legendary piggyback rides. But we all know that our greatest ability is our dad jokes. So, here's a few that the kids, and especially mine, will find atrocious <laughs> and humiliating. I'm, re I'm reading a book on the history of glue at the minute. I can't put it down. <laughs> I went to the doctors the other day and he asked me about blood type. I told him red. <laughs> What's ET short for? Because he's only got tiny legs. <laughs> lost my place. And last but not least, I stayed up all night wondering where the sun went. Then it dawned on me. <laughs> Atrocious, I know. So we digress. Uh, so today for Father's Day, I would like to take a look at a Bible character that we wouldn't normally associate with fatherhood. This morning we will look at Job. The name of Job comes from an ancient, ancient word and means, where is father? Job was a great answer to that question as he was there for his children day and night. Usually we think of Job, we think of his many horrendous trials, including Satan killing 10 of his children, seven sons and three daughters, when a mighty wind struck their house and it collapsed on the children. We would usually study Job to learn how to overcome our trials. But there is another great lesson that we can learn from Job. Job was a man of complete integrity a godly father of 20 children overall, 10 before his trials and 10 after. And he, and he courageously led them all. Parenting can be the toughest job in the world at times. And I believe the most important thing we will all do in our life is to be a great example to our children. It has been said that a child is not likely to find a father in God unless they find something of God in their father. The opening book of Job tells us about his character and his example as a father. In Job 1 verse 1 we read, In the land of Uz there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. These two things will make anyone a great man or a great woman of God. 
and reveals the reason for Job's spiritual, Job's spiritual greatness. Job and his family were very wealthy, and we take part in lavish feasts lasting for several days on each of their birthdays. In Job 1, verse 5, we read first, we first read about Job's example with his children. When a period of feasting had run its course, Job would make arrangements to have them, his children, purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. Here we see Job's example as a father and a man who interceded for his children. Job's courage as a man who feared God is a constant theme, theme throughout the entire book. Job's fear of God is frequently mentioned. It's unclear who wrote the, wrote the book of Job. There is some speculation it was Moses, but whoever the author of the book is, he states in the opening statements of, that Job feared God, as we heard previously in Job verse 1. Then God states, Job feared God. Chapter 1, verse 8 says, Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Satan then challenges Job's fear of God. Chapter 1, verse 9 is the source of Satan's accusation. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan is basically challenging Job. Satan is basically challenging that Job is only good because God has blessed him abundantly. Following this, God then feels the need to repeat his analysis of Job to Satan in the second conflict with Satan in the throne room of heaven. Chapter 2, verse 3 says, Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God, shuns evil. And God then adds in, and he still maintains his integrity, even though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. Eliphaz, one of his friends that attempted to comfort Job, but who would later turn on him, states, Job fears God. Is it not your fear of God, your confidence, and the integrity of your ways, your hope? What does it mean that Job feared God? I had to look into this when I was doing this study as I didn't like the fact that Job lived his life by fearing God. But there is a broader meaning of the word fear in the Bible and in relation to God. We should never offend God. We should never want to offend God. And the fear of God corresponds to a person who conducts his or her life in relevant, reverent awe and acknowledgement of God. Meaning, we live our lives in a way that testifies to the fact that we are saved. There was a quote once attributed to St. Francis, which has since been found untrue, but it read, Preach the gospel, use words if necessary. In other words, people should know we are Christians, that we are saved by our behaviours and our actions, without, a, without us having to open our mouths. This summed Job up to a tree. To a tea, not a tree. <laughs> Job actually treasures his fear of God. During his trials and in his final defense before his friends, Job talks about the way that he has tried to live his life. He does so with a series of scenarios that he'd have 
that if he did not live his life in this way, may, need, may indeed make him worthy of God's punishment. If God were in fact punishing him for sin. Now we as Christians know that God does not punish us for sinning. If he did, he'd be very, very busy. And that would just be my house. <laughs> in chapter 31, Job describes his life and the way that he lived in fear of God. 31 verse 1, Job was a man that practiced sexual purity. I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a girl. 31.5, Job was a man of honesty. 31.9, Job was a man of integrity. His inner life was whole. 31.13, he was a man of humility. He was approachable and admitted wrongs. 31.16, he was a man of generosity. 31.24, he was a man of modesty. He was not enamored with pleasures and possessions. He put his trust in God, not money. 31.29, it goes on and on, a man of self-control. He guarded his tongue and did not gloat over the troubles of those who were his enemies. 31.28, Job was a man who kept his promises. Job stood tall in ooze by virtue of his character and integrity. He feared God, and that fear of God caused him to live a life of good character and example. The second description given in the introduction to the book is that Job was a man who shunned evil. Now here's an interesting thought. Where is the land of Uz? No one knows for sure. It's not the land of Oz. But it's almost as mysterious. One thing is for certain. It held little resemblance to any place you or I have ever visited in their lives. We can be certain that by every standard that we can compare, it was a primitive place. There was no internet, no iPhones, no tablets, no social media. Many of the common sources of temptation that we associate with sin and temptation were not there. I say this because sometimes we think that the reason we sin is because, we are so, because there are so many sources of, of temptation available. Yes, it is true that the world offers many temptations, but Job's understanding was that sin was bound up in his heart, the hearts of his children, and the hearts of mankind. We all sing sin every single day. Job took his responsibilities as a godly father very, very seriously. Job understood the vanity of youth, and like many young people, they can make poor choices all too easily. So Job took responsibility to intercede for his children, just in case they sinned. He knows he cannot control his children, but he can ask for God's covering for them. Job turned away from sin in both of its forms. The sin that confronts us from the world and the sin that confronts us from within. Our environment is not the cause of sin. Job understood that. Unfortunately, sin rests in our hearts. Even before the law was given in Exodus, the Old Testament reveals that our hearts can be swayed towards sin. Throughout the Bible, it tells us that sin is bound in our hearts. Psalm 53, verse 2 and 3 says, God looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understood, any who seek God. Everyone has turned away. They have together become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Matthew 15, verse 11 to 19 what goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean, but what comes out of his mouth, 
is what makes him unclean. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? He replied, Every plant, every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into the pit. Peter said, Explain the parable to us. Are you still so dull? Jesus asked them. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. And these make a man unclean. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, theft, false testimony, slander. Job addressed this sin in the hearts of his children. He challenged them by his own personal godliness. He gently urges them to walk with God. He leads by example. And his children will see something of God in their father. My final observation regarding Job's fatherhood was Job's courage as a man who interceded for his children. Following the feasting, Job had them purified. Chapter 1, verse 4 and 5 tells us, Job made routine sacrifices for his children. He took full responsibility and functioned as head and priest for his children. This was his regular custom. On a routine basis, Job was constantly before his children, demonstrating to them the importance of fearing God and turning away from sin. Even with all Job's many horrible trials, his children came first before anything and before everything. It was Job's way of reminding his children to do what they were doing in moderation whilst giving a gentle parental nudge in the direction of holy living. Job is one of the best examples in scripture as a godly father. His story is included to guide us concerning the reasons for suffering, yes, but in the middle of the story is a picture of a man who feared God, led his family, encouraged, guided, and prayed for his children. And on this Father's Day, I encourage each of us to follow his example. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for Job and the example he is to every father. Even with all the horrific trials, he remained faithful. He remained righteous. He remained honest and he remained a man of integrity. And was the best example to his children he could be. Lord, thank you for every father in here and the example they are to their children. And Lord, thank you for our children. Please continue to guide and bless them in everything they do. Lord, thank you for being in our presence today on this Father's Day. As Stephen said earlier, we know it says in Matthew that when two or three are gathered in your presence, in your name, you're there. Lord, thank you for our pastors, our elders, our worship team, and our fantastic church family. Lord, please continue to bless this place. And it's in your holy name we pray today, Lord. Amen. Thank you, church. Didn't the men just do amazing this morning? Yeah. So we're going to finish our service with a song, so if you'd all like to stand to your feet. to breathe the air of heaven.
heaven where pain is gone and mercy fills the streets to look upon the one who bled to save me and walk with him for all eternity
Let's just close in a word of prayer. Father God, we just thank you for this time that we've spent in the house of God today. Lord, we thank you for each person that has spoken, God. Lord, that you would just speak directly into people's hearts this morning. Lord, that if they don't feel love, Lord, that they will know that they are loved by their heavenly Father. Lord, that they would come to a realization today, Lord, that, that you care for them, that you have a plan and a purpose for them. Lord, that there is a place for them in your house. So, Lord, we just thank you and praise you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, uh, dish out the chocolates. We'll get a few fellas to come and help. Uh.